you've already been served. Just because you're at this event, it's gotten in. Then have faith in mind and let it be. Don't send your little, you know, eight tentacled little parasitical mind to try to figure make it into something. Just let it live alone. Go do something else tonight. Don't don't come home and read more or do that. Just let it go in. This is faith in mind, you know. The faith doesn't mind doesn't need it doesn't need a huge dissertation. It just needs an intimation. Just an aside can do it. Yeah, like so what they said about this guy, I think, that he was working in a market. He was just a, a, a poor farmer or something. And somebody, some scholar was, or somebody was walking, oh, you, you brought your purse Not on your bad, foot. Eh? That's pretty good. <laughs> what, what you dragged in? A purse. So he was walking, he was working in this market, and some guy was walking uh, by uh, chanting the Heart Sutra, which is a sutra of Mahayana Buddhism, right? The guy heard a little snippet and his mind woke up. And then he actually was, after he, you know, he got this, he became the patriarch of the whole Zen system. This little poor farmer working at a market. He wasn't, he wasn't literate. He couldn't, didn't know how to write or do any, or read. Yet he heard it and the mind opened up. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's what it takes. Just a couple of drops. Yeah? Don't, don't be the, you know, you don't have to water this that much. Just let it in, yeah, honor it a little bit, give it a little room, and then see how what it does, yeah? It may draw you to see somebody, you know, you'll go here and go there, and then you'll get fed in the ways that work for you, your particular predicament, yeah? You'll get fed, and after a while, you'll have to admit that something knows more than you know about how to navigate this life, yeah? And then that's called faith mind. Why do you think the statement is? It's called faith mind. Faith in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Just so this to me, this is what it's like. I'm like a mailman. You don't have to go follow the mailman home. <laughs> he just delivers the mail and then adios, bro. You know. Now in this case, we want to keep delivering the mail. Repetition because it's like. Don't forget the party at 8 o'clock. You know, very simple little statement. And then the idea about the party and everything comes right back up. Yeah? You just put a little, you don't have to have eight hours of browbeating. You know? Don't, you, there's a point where it's like, it's like beating a dead horse. You know what I mean? Like I used to have people when they first came to Toronto, they had read too much, I felt. You know? They had heard too much of this stuff and they were very unhappy. And they were sitting there asking me all these questions, and I said, why don't you just don't come back this afternoon, go to a soup kitchen and do some service, yeah? Don't serve one you know, somebody you know, do it to a stranger, and then see what happens. You'll get the message clearer there than you will here, yeah? This is like you've been throwing the same type of wood in the fire, it's not burning anymore. You need another different log, you know? It has a different smell and it burns a slower rate or a faster rate. Something a little different. And I find a lot of times in these groups, one of the elements that is missed is service. Yeah? The idea of serving others. Because there's the idea there is no other or whatever. It's all bullshit. It's just a possibility of mind expressing in a certain way that brings a, a, 
a largeness to it, in expression, when you do service, when you get out of your seeming self, or you get out of your, your situation and lend a hand to someone else, it does magical things to the mind. Yeah? It does more to allow it to open than a lot of chance of opening. Yeah? A lot of wishing, hope, praying, open, open, please let me open, open, open. You know, the way to be a, a conduit is to be a conduit. Yeah? So, yeah. I don't know about the faith mind. Let me just ask, speak about this one thing where it says, to use activity to, produce, to promote stillness is activity. Yeah? You can't use mind to seek mind. You can't use light to seek light. You can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. Yeah. No matter how many disguises you put over your Buddha nature, it's the Buddha nature. Mm-hmm. So, no matter if you think you're the Sergeant Sam or Captain Bill or Fireman Paul, whatever uniform you got on, it's still the Buddha nature. So, it sure sounds like Captain Paul should seek the Buddha... But the problem is, Buddha can't seek the Buddha. And you may deem it to be a problem as Captain Paul, but you're the Buddha. You're what you're seeking. Yeah? Stay, be willing to sit with the pause of that. Don't go to another fucking meeting. Don't do it. Don't pick up another book. At least give it a little rest so that something can get digested. Yeah, you don't have. It's not like spiritual junk food. You just don't keep eating eight hundred potato chips. Yeah, you eat something, let it in, and then you walk around and let it regurgitate and digest so that it finds a home in your like the gut. You know, so it becomes like an unspoken yes. So it has. So it it be, it produces a certainty that now you're relying on, and then more can be added. Yeah, first you have the one solid block, and then more. Downloads can occur, but it's not all about downloads. It's not all about, let me have more information, more knowledge, more this. You won't know what to do with the amount of knowledge you have. Or how you will, how to let go and let the knowledge do to you. Yeah? You won't. So this, it's like, that's one of the things I was very fortunate of. I, when I did something, it didn't initiate a desire that if I did more, it would be better. I would just allow it to stu- set off circumstances, whatever they were, and then I'd ride that wave. Yeah? And then I'd see where that ended up, and then I'd swim out, and I'd get another wave. Yeah? So I heard this message from a number of people. Some I liked, some I didn't like. I didn't like the way some people shared it, or some people I did. And, you know, I have a lot of gratitude to all of them but I never think of them at all. Yeah? Because what to be what was meant to be held wasn't them, but what was offered, which is you are that. Or in my case, you're not that. Yeah? That's how I honor what happened. Because I I live it. Yeah. I entertain it. And that's the only way you can live this. It's a verb. You can't have lived it. And you can't be preparing to live it. It's the living of it. Right now is the realization. It's a verb. It's not a realization. It's realizing. It's a living realizing. Yeah? A living realizing that never stops to be a living realizing. It's not a point where I've 
I've realized, I've lived to realize it enough, now I've just realized it. You don't become a noun. You don't become a realized one. You don't, you don't settle into some mental stability. You're always going to be, it's like they say in the Bible, the Son of Man has no place to rest its head. Well, that's the, that's the security, that there's no place to rest the head. Yeah. It's not freedom, it's freeing. You're freed, yes? It's a verb. Yeah. Knowing that, and it's not a verb for any noun to have. If you forsake the obsession with a noun, then you get the sense of the verbing as always being so, with no beginning point and no end point, and that there's no possibility that you or not you could ever leave the verbing of it. Yeah? You're inherently that. You are inherently the seeing of everything. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. See what happens. You let that... That comes in and you get changed from... It's like the canvas gets bled through. You still have this mental idea of what you are pasted or pictured on the canvas, but something bleeds through that and almost pushes out the image that was there and bleeds through that. Yeah? It's not like you say, I'm not that from here... You realize I'm not that from what is. Yeah, pushing out. Have you heard that statement like an open secret? <coughs> the truth is like an open secret. So, could anything be a secret if it was open? Obviously not. Paradox. Yeah. Mostly secrets aren't open. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's attempting to imply the obviousness of what's so. Or they say the gateless gate. You know, Enter the gateless gate. That's so <coughs> funny. How can I enter a gateless gate? Exactly. You know what I mean? How can I enter a gateless gate? The gate is what defines the idea of a gate. If it's gateless, it can't be a gate, yeah? Or they say, you are what you're seeking for, or what's looking is what you're looking for. What are they all attempting to point back to? Yeah? That it isn't like you haven't found what you needed, it's that the you is a mistake. That's all. It's just a it's just a miscalculation of or an assumption of mind that has taken some kind of mental solidity. Yeah. It's not solid, but it takes on a mental solidity. And then everything starts, like we said last night, from the feeling of being Paul is a product. Yeah. 
So I've been, in a sense, unconscious, and then I become conscious at this point. Let's say it's square. It's like the fourth step of a process, and that's see, that's sort of where my life and life begins. Is that I am now conscious of life from the idea of being Paul. Yeah, but the idea or the sense of being Paul was produced. <clears throat> so what was there before the production of the sense of Paul? Yeah. Now, can when Paul arises, which is let's say the fourth step, how is the fourth step? Yeah, if it only arose at this fourth point, how is the fourth point going to keep its relevance when it moves to the third point, to the second point, to the first point, to the zero point? It only appears to be solid at the fourth point. Because it had to go through a production to get to that sense of solidity. Yeah? If you start quest thinking that you, you as the solidity are going to leave the fourth step, explore the third step, and keep your solidity, solidity, then still have your solidity at the second step, and then at the first step, and then at the zero step, which is the zero point of all points, you're going to be there. As the sense of being a Paul that was being occur- that was occurring at the fourth point. Yeah? This is like self trying to get out of self. We're using the Buddha to seek the Buddha. You never left the first point. Yeah. At the first point, there is no feeling of being Paul. It, you have to go through a process to get to that feeling of being Paul. The product of the process cannot transcend the process that makes it and go back to square zero. That's why it doesn't seem like an open secret. That's why it, does, it seems like there's a many gates in this gate that we have to enter. Yeah? Because we're trying to leave square four and get back to square zero as if it's going to become an experience that square four has. There is no product of square four. It's just an appearance that had to be produced by square one, two, and three. We're waking up at square four. We're behind the eight ball, so to speak. We have become aware after the deal has been done. We're now trying to work it out from the delusion. We're trying to figure out what does this mean to me. Yeah, We're using me as the reference point of all reference points and it's a mistake. It's a false flag operation. It's been put on very unsolid ground. <clears throat> Yet we can't seem to get around it. We can't, self can't get out of self. We can't use the Buddha to find the Buddha. Yeah? You can't lose the point of zero to find zero because it's not lost. Yeah? It would be redundant if zero would have to look for zero. It would seem incredibly absurd to zero. It only seems noble to four. Yeah? <laughs> Why not save yourself a lot of time? Stop getting trying to get from four to zero, just question four. That's the whole message of them all. St. Francis says it's in self-forgetting that you're reborn or something. It's in self-forgetting. It, isn't, it doesn't say self-annihilation or self-vanquishment. You don't have to. All you have to do is forget it. Yeah. Why can't you forget it? Because you think it's you. So you're very interested in it. Even the trying to forget it is remembering it. That's why the trick is self can't get out of self. So the struggle isn't noble. It's pointless. 
If you're not the self, that's being out of self. The being out of self is determined by the fact you've never been in self. If it isn't determined by that, then it's an experience, and you'll also have the counter-experience. You'll really feel like you're in self again, sooner or later. And then you'll play this little game of trying to get out of self, but always returning back in self. And I bet you the sense of being in self will have more time than the sense of being out of self. So who's fucking winning that game? Yeah? You may have one or two moments, and yet weeks and weeks will go on that you feel like you're in self. Then you'll have a little moment, oh, to keep you on the trail of trying to get out of self. It'll throw you a little mind candy. Oh, I did. What? I better re- redo exactly what I did to have that experience of being out of self. I'm going to go to the same cafe, order the same food. I'll only have four sips. That's when it happened, the fifth sip of the coffee. I'll have four <laughs> sips of coffee, and then you get ready. All right, here's the fifth sip. And then, and then I'll be out of self. Yeah? All the while, you were trying to prepare to be out of self. What were you? Totally in self, seemingly. But if, if you're not in what you're trying to get out of, if you're not in what you've been trying to get out of, that's the best way to be out of it. It takes absolutely no time. Yeah, none. Any bit, if, it's, if it takes time, there's, there's some inness there. Yeah? When you realize you could not be in it, that's being out of it. It's not an experience, it stabilizes as a state. Yeah? It may not be complete yet, but it'll have a much less, much longer lasting quality than an experience will. Yeah? And in that, in that state, things that can't be really clear through an up, coming and going experience, more stuff can get downloaded and it's a firmer foundation because you've been freed for a while, you know, you've just been out of that obsession with self, and a lot of stuff will download and it'll have a chance to, to stabilize and become a foundation, yeah? That's truly reliable for the mind to rest on. So you can enjoy peace of mind. You can now comprehend the word serenity and know peace, Yeah? You'll have a new attitude and outlook on life. You'll have a new freedom and a new happiness. Not the same old washed over freedom and happiness that we think we're trying to get here. You'll have a totally new one. That has, doesn't have any similarities to the old idea of freedom and happiness. It will be surprising to you every day. Because it will be brought to you by I don't know. And you'll be disarmed enough that you can be happily in I don't know. Yeah, the the drive for mental security of knowing something will be dismissed, and you'll find that the true <coughs> security is insecurity. The true certainty is uncertainty. Yeah. And the, if the mind can adapt to this, you don't believe it can sort of adapt to that. It's much more. It's much more form-fitting to the mind because it's a formless fit. It can take the whole of mind. The mind can truly rest on it. It's not agitated. It's not coming and going. It's not predicated on circumstances and situations being right. It outshines circumstances and situations. It's the divine whatever. It's the space of all space. It's the context. You know, no matter how much the content is shaking and vibrating, it's not affecting that. No matter how many kinds of soups you put in the bowl, the bowl remains the same. Yeah? The bowl has the, the, the ability to be 
It's a holder. It's a context. It, it, it doesn't. It can take tomato soup and chicken noodle soup, all different kinds of cold soups, warm soups. Yes. <coughs> And I know you were confused about the terminology of mind. Place it with being or awareness, whatever you want to say. Yeah? I like to use it because it triggers something with me. And it's, I like the old Zen teachers. I like them a lot. Like Hawaiian Po and these other people. And I like the terminology you always use, which was mind. Big M. I like that. It works because it just allows. I go off totally into a very large, light, very airy space up there, where there's no things to run into, nothing to, to nothing to be, into, nothing to have an experience with. Just total like gazing into an open, clear sky. Yeah, you know? no clouds appearing, nothing to disturb the scene. Yeah, you know? no no event called scene ever happens. It's just seeing. Yeah. In this world of constantly having the seeing interrupted by running into what's seen and then thought about and everything, it's really nice to have an overall like current in your life to be that seamless verbing of seeing. Yeah? Always, 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 always. Seeing, 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 seeing. When everything else is being partialed up so much and cut up and interpreted and compartmentalized, to see the seamlessness of what's really going on here. Then all the partitions and all the borders and all the lines our minds wants to draw between things and time and everything, they sort of fade out. And you just get one sense of it, like a, a giant swoosh. Yeah? Just a swoosh going. Yeah, So it's like all the frames are removed and then you see the mural quality of everything. They're not separated and defined in, in, in their own light. They're all part and parcel of a mind. Yeah, It's going to produce a sense of something in you, I'd say. And of course, because this is a place of expression, it's going to seek expression. Yeah. I saw a lady who had bone cancer in Australia when I used to do talks in Perth. And this guy who was sponsoring there knew this lady was dying, you know, and, and he wanted me to meet her. So I went over there, and she had gone to satsangs and everything, and she was in bad shape. Luckily, her husband was well off, so she had a nice place to be. But she had to be carried and everything. Bone cancer is a really painful cancer. But she was bright as bright can be, you know. She, her mind was totally outshining the circumstances and situations her body and her situation seemed to be. Yeah, totally outshining it. See, I, I was more, it was more, I was more drawn to see her than the beaches or anything else in Western Australia. And that's saying a lot because I like surfing, but she was really, really a damn bright example of just that, yeah? The mind's freedom outshining the circumstances, the situations, sort of dimming all the partitions, you know? Blending all the paintings into one. Yeah. She passed away, but I'll tell you, what she was never passes away. Yeah. And she was aware of it. She was reflecting that. Yeah. And it was like, it was very, very attractive. Yeah. You'd like to go see that person. So, so you ever see, uh, you ever be at a, you see the moths going to the flame? You know, the, uh, you have a, you have a light. Yeah, and then the moths are going. 
yes. And maybe uh, they drive you crazy and stuff. But what would happen if you just took that bulb out? Would the moths be attracted anymore? If you took the rock out of that water, the solidity of being you, would the mental currents swish around you all the time and create waves and eddies and stagnant points? No, they wouldn't, yes? It's not the bulb, it's not the moths, it's the bulb, yeah? If you remove the bulb, the moths don't fly around anymore there. They're attracted to that light. Yeah, We're taking ourselves to be the sun, and at best we're the moon. We're reflecting the sun's light. We're not the source of the light. Yeah, We set up this little artificial playing God, and all the moths of mind are circling it. And they're driving this little mind fucking crazy. And yet it can't entertain to give up the artificialness of its light and to surrender to the sun, in a way. Yeah? Once that would be in place, the moss would disperse. Yeah? Your, your mind would be circling you all day, seemingly. It would disperse. It would go out. Your interest and attention would be freed from that slavery to the idea of being Paul. And that same interest and attention that's turned on the self, which is called obsession, would enrich your fucking life. You'd be walking around and it, your interest attention would enrich your life instead of being sucking it dry every day by in this black hole called Paul where no matter what you put in, you don't get much out, do you? Maybe specialness and being right usually coincides with being alone. Yeah? So I don't know. I had a very strong experience of the addictive mind since I had alcoholism, yeah? But it started way before I ever drank. It started around six years old where I started to think about myself. And it, it got, it built up more and more momentum and it got more and more relentless as it went on to the point where I couldn't do anything without thinking about it a lot. You know? I walked in the room, I thought about it a lot. If I walked, left the room, I thought about it a lot. I couldn't take a shit or get off the pot. It was just constantly going over everything. You know, ad nauseum. Yeah? And it was, I wanted so much fucking relief, I would do anything. I'd shoot up almost anything. I actually shot up perfume once, incense once, because we hoped it was opium. And even though after we cooked it and our girlfriend walked in the room and said, man, that sounds smells like incense, and we had already shot some, and nothing had happened, we still shot it again because we were dying for fucking relief. <clears throat> even though we knew it was incense, we still hoped it could, was opium. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, I wanted and needed relief. Bad, yes. <laughs> and I would I would do almost anything to get it. I did out everything to get it. Yet it never was satiated. Never. That early start, Paul, huh? of being so heavy into self so young, was from what not not feeling one part of. Well, actually, I did had dealt, I had felt a part of in a way when I was a little kid. They had pictures of my family, and I looked like a little cherub, and everyone looked sunny and bright. And then a few years later, after the thinking started to dominate, it looked like I was pasted into the family pictures, and I was looking at my mother suspiciously. I was like, 
very just weird. <laughs> and the disease of mind just isolated me totally. You know, I couldn't empathize with anyone because I couldn't see how anything pertained to them. Everything just pertained to me. And it just got, it just wasn't like an avalanche of obsession. So I was really dying to have a drink, you know, to do something to get out of it. And then I did my best to do that, but you can't transcend an imaginary place. So no matter how much shot I shot, I never got out of what I thought I was in. Because I can't get out of something I'm not in. It's impossible. Yet I didn't have that information that I wasn't in it. So I tried very, very hard to get out of it. And after addiction, I used spirituality the same way. Yeah. And it's impossible to get out of what you're not in. That's what saves you a whole lot of fucking time to me. And I heard that little message, and the lady probably doesn't even know that made a big impression on me who was sharing it, you know? She probably just was doing what she was doing. But it hit me, and uh, it became an unspoken yes, and it became the last answer, and I haven't had a new one since, you know? It's just sort of been entertaining it and entertaining it, and because of its quality, it's it could be a never-ending never entertaining, because it never ceases, yeah? And, you know, magically, I got relief from what I couldn't, didn't believe I could ever get relief from, it, you know? I basically had given up the ghost. I was, I was just ending up in jails, institutions, and death, you know? And uh, I was just trying to stay as high as I could until the next time I ended up in an institution, jail, and death. That's basically where I was at. And I had given up all hope for a change, really. I'd spent two years in a program and three months in another program, and... They had told me that things were going to get better, and they didn't when I left, you know. They got worse, and uh, I was pretty, like they say, incomprehensibly, pitifully demoralized, you know. So uh, what occurred with me was a, really just an intervention, a divine one, if you want to call it that. It was just a regular day at the office, drinking with someone I didn't know. And something downloaded and stopped my mind for a couple minutes. And I didn't know it could stop, to tell you the truth. But it stopped, and I and I noticed it because it had stopped. <laughs> and then I got a pretty good idea what it was when it wasn't. <laughs> and uh, it changed my whole life that day. I didn't reach for another drink, and then it set off these strange circumstances, and I ended up going to a recovery meeting the next day, and I've been sober and clean ever since. Yeah? So that little portal that opened up downloaded a solution even here that's been living for 25 years. I've been sober almost 25 years. Can you imagine if you entertained that portal? Yeah? Instead of just being the supposed recipient of it, that you could see that your your role is a lot more than that. <laughs> that maybe you are that. <laughs> yeah. So AA gave me the the foundation that I could live here so I wouldn't get arrested anymore and I wasn't acting out and stealing things and so I wasn't going to jail anymore. wasn't visiting hospitals often anymore except to visit people in them. And so my life out here stabilized enough that I was open to hearing satsang when I was about 11 years sober and then that, and I heard the message. If I would have heard it two years before, it wouldn't have probably had any impact because there was too much static probably going on. But the mind had become stabilized somewhat by my good behavior and my and the love of AA. And then the download went in and it had somewhere to grab, you know. 
my attention was freed up enough that it could go with it. And then that's what happens. So you were saying that your first, seemed like your first step was when you realized that it wasn't your mind, it was alcoholic mind. Yeah, big time. And then you, your next step was that you took that bigger when you understood that. Yeah, yeah. Well, some I didn't take it bigger, but it became bigger, yeah. 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 Then you should see the addiction is the addiction to self. And to me, that's clear as day. I see the progression from the source of all addictions to all the addictions. If you take any addiction and follow it, you'll get back to the one source of them all, which is the addiction to the idea of being a self. It's clear as day to me. It's, uh, I've done the investigation, I've seen it. So, what's the solution to that? What's the solution? Well, it can't be that self is now going to break an addiction to itself. <laughs> That's not going to work. That would be obsession with self, yeah? So, you may be questioning its, its, uh, its reality, you know, its substance. You guys use yeah. self-inquiry. I think that's a pretty good tool. I don't think it's something you need to use all the time. There's a point where it's probably better to put it down because you are... It's sort of like Ramana Maharshi would say. It's sort of like, he doesn't say this, but he says, all comes from big S. So let's say all comes from mind. So follow the selfing, and it has to lead to its source, which is mind. And once you follow there, you don't have to ask who the self is anymore. You've been introduced to the master, which is mind. And they'll rest there. If there's a forgetting of that, then maybe you self-inquiry will bring you back to that same point. But no matter where you think you're asking who it is, it'll always bring you back to the same point. So after a while, being brought back to the same point, you get that I never left that same point. I just appear to leave the same point. Yes? So if I have appeared to leave the same point, I don't need to do anything about it but to see that I just appeared to leave the same point, and therefore I've never left this point and there's no way I could ever possibly leave this point. Yeah, because if every time I impossibly leave this point, I return to the same point anyway. So have I ever gone anywhere? No. There you go. Yeah, there you go. What's mine going to do with that? Except settle down. <laughs> you can't move anymore. You've taken every step away from its habit to want to dance. And so what does it do? It may feel uncomfortable for a while, then it re- sits, it relaxes, it rests in that. Yeah? Now you can enjoy peace of mind, you can enjoy a clear reflection. Yeah? Like pause. You have a pause? You had one today? You had one eight years ago? It has the same quality. <laughs> it's not of today and it's not of eight years ago. The quality is timelessness. So every moment that, that the, the effects of time gets broken in my life, what do I sense? Timelessness. Yeah. So maybe the timelessness is the basic state and the appearance is the feeling of time. Because every time the, the feeling of time is broken, what do I sense? Timelessness. Every time. <laughs> Ding! It goes off. So it, it, it goes off every once in a while. Then you get it. Oh! 
<laughs> so the pause is actually the basic state, and all the agitation is an appearance. It's like mind dancing on the surface that can't be disturbed. We think it's about us, so our attention goes on all the dancing, but all the dancing doesn't leave one footprint on the surface of mind. Not one cloud has left an impression on the sky that it's appeared in. Not one. Not one cloud is memorable in the state of, of sky. Not one cloud. Not that lovely one that looked like an elephant ten years ago. No. Not one cloud has left an impression on the state of sky. Your mind is like sky, open sky, yes? All the heinous things you think you've done, there's no impression of them on virgin raw mind, none. All the things you feel like you need to be forgiven for, they've never been noted, never. Nothing is held against you, yeah? There's not a ledger up there. You're not doing well or doing bad. It's not like Santa Claus. You're free before even the need to be forgiven. You've already been forgiven. You're prior to the state of forgiving. That's how unbelievably, quote-unquote, different mind is to what we're taking manifestation to be. When you're praying to mind to forgive you, you're praying to yourself to forgive you. You're asking self to ease up on you. You're not asking God. You're asking the thing that's playing God, self. You may call it a God, but it's a God of your own making. You're worshipping in the temple of self. It has many gods there, but none of them have the power of it. Yeah? And yet it's a very weak God. It can only have its realm in you. There must be a you for it to dominate. Without a you, it has no domain. We're not trying to kick that out, just question the you. Without the you, there is no playing God. Then like in AA, it says the third step is we make a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of a higher power of our own understanding then hopefully there'll be a point in your program that will get to the thing that I have turned my will and my life over the care of a power, a higher power, greater than self, of its own understanding. So that you open up to have it become revelatory. In other words, the way life is, is going to inform you of its nature. You're not going to know it, it's going to inform you of it. Yeah, You're going to find out. And I'll tell you, it's a really wonderful fucking surprise. Because it's much larger than you ever can imagine. And it comes at you in so many different angles you were never suspected. Yeah? Never. And you can find rest there, really. You can put down the rock. Really. Put down the rock. And never look back. You can be done in a way. You can have a radical sense of relief.
I joke around a lot about it and try to be irreverent, but I have an, such an honoring of it. I just feel so humbled. It just like it just brings tears to me. Like uh, we were so wrong about what we thought we were right about. Really, it's just amazing. See, in you, you've already been convicted. Yes? In the court of self, there's no relief. You're never going to be released. It may promise you probation, but you always get pulled back in. You always fail a urinalysis test or something. You always get thrown back into its little prison of mind. Yeah? All those cases against you have to be brought to the court of light. That's where they all get annulled. Yeah? There's no real true forgiveness if you think something was done. There's no way. In the Course, they were talking about atonement, and atonement is recognizing nothing ever happened. Yeah. You get let off the hook. Truly. Let, you're totally okay as you're appearing to be, because you're not that which is appearing. Simple as that. If it was you, you'd be driven to work on it, probably. Yeah? You'd always find fault somehow, somewhere. But if this isn't you, that crazy eye of Sauron lifts, and that fucking addictive gaze is left to look somewhere else, let's say. say you had constipation for 30 years and you finally it finally was let out you'd feel pretty good after it wouldn't it it's sort of similar to that in a way <laughs> that's probably one of the best descriptions you could you do man it's just a fucking great great relief <laughs> you can you can make that toilet your temple in a way thank you <laughs> for receiving this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wondrous one, thank you for taking this from me. (laughs) And it's amazing, like in recovery, what you call the pointless, useless life gets used. You use, it gets used to, to, uh, point to others that there's a possibility of being free. Yeah, it's amazing. Eh? What you would deem to be pointless and useless, you throw into, a, let's say, a program of recovery it recycles that and turns it into an incredible like compost or something that, something good to grow in. Yes, this is like the, this is like the mind. Yeah? What we call has no value, finds great value when the mind is directing it. Yeah?
Any questions now, today? This is the last day, eh? Good. Tomorrow. Tomorrow night's good. <laughs> I felt, you know, the message was delivered clear enough on Friday, to tell you the truth. I know we need money. I need money, too, you know. I can't paint houses much anymore, so I, I have to be into a certain kind of business, I guess, but... You know what I mean? The message is pretty clear. It's pointed. And then uh, it's nice to hang out, but it's good that it comes to an end, though, so you can go explore yourself. Because if it isn't... If it isn't... uh, To have value, it has to be where you are when you're there. Yeah? It has to be always available. Yeah? It has to override the restrictions of this place. It can't be based on time or location. It really can't. You know, it's got to be closer than your breath. It's got to be. It's got to be a sense bef- uh, of it's already there before you even sit down. Yeah, it's got to be a sense that it's ever present. That no matter how fast you think you get here, it's already here. <laughs> it's sort of like you're always going to lose in the gunslinger. You know, it's already, it's already got you. You can't get, you can't get your holster out. I am poor. I'm poor. It's already got you. You know what I mean? It's so beautiful. Really. You're totally disarmed because timelessness can't be beat by time. <laughs> it takes no time to get here, yeah? <laughs> That's the beauty of it. It's so reliable. And it's just a recognition that the mind is there. It's that. So that it can translate to, you know, it's not, it's 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 your rest that translates its reliability. That's the manifestation. Yeah, It's reliable, no doubt. But you and I can be the expression of that by the rest that we that we uh, travel in. Yeah, that's the best we can do here as an expression. We can at least mimic or animate that incredible abidance in that rest that never moves and never blinks as a sort of a translation to a way we live. You know, that we travel lighter through some situations and circumstances. Yeah. We have some more. We have a lot of time. All right. Questions, please. <laughs> yeah, I don't want you to feel like you got ripped off, you know. I know. So, you know. Usually for someone to get a message, it must be two hours. It can't be in ten minutes, forty minutes. Or reports or anything. You look a lot different than you did yesterday. You do? Yeah. Yes. And this lady, Amy... She had a drastic shift. I remember when I first saw you three years ago. Man, you look like you were cooked, burnt. And then something happened, and you've seen now you keep traveling the similar way since that happened. Yeah, at least visually. Yeah, and then Tanya's like a rock, and then there's Donna. She's like a, a gopi. Yes, looking for Krishna. <laughs> it's a very nice thing. Either insulted you or complimented you. <laughs> and this guy is very rock solid too. So he's sitting there. Yeah. And oh yes, Rob. 
Rav Helma. He's the one who allowed us to have this space and puts it on. And he treats me like a king. Yeah, he does. He's, he, uh, his thoughts actually promote my well-being than any thoughts that I have. Really. I guess they go to the massage. That was a really good call. I would have never have thought of that. Yeah. I thought we were going to a happy massage, you know. It wasn't. <laughs> I thought he was getting me into a situation there, but it didn't happen. No, it was getting a it became a situation, it did. Yeah. Well, I guess I could keep going on. What else do you want? Tell me about the prodigal son. How about my stories? All right, the prodigal son. Right. New Testament, you've heard of the prodigal son, right? And also the one I like about the field, too. All right. So the prodigal son, obviously, if you know the story, it's about a guy who's in a pretty good situation in life, and then he's, he leaves, he gets mad at it or whatever, leaves, and he starts partying, yeah? And then his life goes sort of go downhill. And he, he'd really like to sort of go back home, but he doesn't feel like he should because he's too guilty, you know? Because he's done all this shit, he left it, he wasn't nice, and he didn't appreciate it. So he doesn't feel he has the right to go back home. And it's progressing, and it's going, it's getting worse and worse. And he ends up in a pigsty, fighting the pigs for the cob of corn, you know? And uh, at that point, it just breaks down. He's, got, he's sick and tired of being sick and tired. And then he just says, please, let me go home, you know? You know, and he's, he's sort of imaging his father, the one he left. So immediately, the whole pigsty is gone in the Bible. And at that next moment, he's meeting his father on the road. His father gives him a nice, some clothing and puts a ring on him and says, Hey, we got a big feast at the house for you. Yeah? It didn't take any time at all. Yeah? The only thing that was keeping him from that was his, his uh, dependence or addiction to the guilt. You know, being a doer, that he had done so many terrible things. But the solution didn't any t- it didn't take any time. It took a lot of time to seemingly get as bad as he was, but the solution to it was immediate. Yeah? As soon as he was willing to give up the ghost, there it was. Yeah? And then you have a thing about the guys in the field. Yeah? So the guy comes in, he goes in and he's hiring some workers. And he sees, he's hiring a couple guys at 8 o'clock. He says, I'm going to give you like uh, $40 for the day. Yeah? So they start working 8 o'clock. Then the, the guy who's running the job goes back to the place at 12 and sees some guys and says, hey, I'll give you $40 to work the rest of the day. So they go, and they go there. And then so the guys who have been there since 8 o'clock, they hear that they're getting the same money that the guys that are there at 12 o'clock get, and they're getting pissed off, you know. Hey, we've been here from 8 o'clock. And some guy, he goes to the hall and he meets him at 4 o'clock. He says, hey, I'll give you $40 to the rest of the day, which is only another hour. So then the guys from 12 o'clock are pissed off at him, and everyone's pissed off. But the fact is, the solution is a timeless solution. You know what I mean? It's not like you've missed it. Yeah, It's not like you should have got this earlier. It has nothing to do with it. It's the same gift no matter what time you get to it. Yeah. So there's no difference in waking up at 8 o'clock or four, 12 o'clock or 4 o'clock, because when you wake up, the time doesn't matter. So you don't have... There's no story that I wish this would have happened earlier because you realize there isn't any earlier, yeah? Or, you know, I, if, I, I, if I would have just, I missed that, if I would have just went to that meeting and stared at the guru long enough, I would have been there to get it. None of that is, it's all absurd once the gift is given, yeah? 
The idea before the gift, you're thinking, well, I want to get it before everyone else. I should get it because I've been here longer. I'm a, I've been here since he first started talking five years ago. Now these people are waking up and they just saw him once. What's going on here? I should have gotten it. I've been here every day, you know, giving them money, buying them cars. What's happening? But the timelessness of it has nothing to do with time. Yeah? And the longing for it and, and the... Uh, and missing it is all, it's just a story in time. Yeah? You're not bound to it. See that? That's good. I think those are the two stories I like. <laughs> it's not of time, that's for sure. If you ever have those hits, it's, you, it definitely downloads a timeless quality or a pause or whatever. Yeah? Because it has no flavor of the moment before or after. It's not influenced by time. What's whatsoever. Yeah? That's the quality of the mind. It's timeless. Yeah? That's why it's always here, because it's not of time. Yeah? It's like, how many people today, if they went into a cafe, did they hear people complaining about the effects of gravity? You know, did you go to a cafe this afternoon and someone at the next table, man, gravity's been really bothering me on my right shoulder. Isn't it? It's dipping a little low than this, right? What's going on? doesn't look like it's fucking with yours, but mine is right on yours. No. No one, no one even feels, basically. We're constantly feeling it, but when we don't acknowledge the effects of gravity because it's always being affecting the body. Yeah? It's only when you go into an anti-gravity thing then you know gravity. Yeah? You don't know gravity when you're in it, but you know it when you're out of it. Yeah, the same thing. You know the problem by the, with the solution. When you're out of the pro, out of the problem, you really know it. And what you know about it is you've never been in it. I swear. When you get relief from the problem, the solution is that it was an imaginary problem. So the relief from the problem is that there was no problem. That's the true relief. Yeah? And that's why that relief can stabilize because there wasn't any problem. Yeah? Therefore, there's no need for a solution. That's the solution of all solutions. So it's like a fish, totally in water. Does the fish know it's in water? Probably not. But it knows it misses it when it gets pulled out. It flips out. It's flapping and going crazy, wanting to get back into that medium. But I'm sure when it's in the medium, it has no idea that it's in water. It just sees clams and seaweed and other fish, but it has no sense of what it's in completely. Yeah? We're immersed in what we're looking for. We're as wet as hell, acting like we're dry, looking for wetness. Yeah? Only when we find wetness, it just, we get, we have an experience of it, but it just reaffirms that we're basically always dry. Yeah? This is questioning the dryness. Are you dry? If you're not, there's no need to look for wetness. Just like the wave, if it's not the wave, does it have to look for the ocean? It is the ocean. It's only as the wave that it can be in a position of looking for it. Looking for itself, calling it the ocean, Yeah? But once it, so to keep questioning and learning about the ocean, it doesn't help because it just reinforces the wave that knows about the ocean. But to look at to see if you're the wave, that helps because if you're not, what are you? 
being the ocean. There's not a big leap from you're not the wave to knowing you're the ocean. It's an immediate whack. Like, hey, I'm not the wave. Bing! It doesn't take any time because it was the primary state already. The false state, which is of time, yes, which takes time to sort of build and then it takes time to seemingly get out. When that's not identified with, it's timeless. It doesn't take time for it to occur because it's not occurring. Mind's quicker than that. Yeah? It's prior to an occurrence. You want to call it a realization? It's even prior to that. So always we've been saying, and this came from just what was happening to me, we always go the back door. We're not trying to know anything more about the truth. We're just looking at, hey, how can we stop, to, how can we stop being what has opinions, let's say. <laughs> By realizing you were never what has opinions. That's the only way it could work. If you were once that, it would have to take time to undo it. Yeah? If you were really that, it would have to take time to undo that. But if you're not that, how much time will it take? Zippo. (laughs) (laughs) See, they got it. That's good. We like that. Oh, I didn't get it. I'm going to pretend I got it, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should get up to that. Nobody can get it. What? Nobody yeah, can you know. get it. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's that for me. You can have a private interview with me till 4 o'clock. We'll have a raffle. One of you. Who wants it? No one, there you go. We tried that once, right? We no one wanted a private interview anyway. <laughs> what am I going to do with a private interview? Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. How did that work out? Was it all right? Well, Sue did. Yeah, Sue had one, yeah. 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 That didn't work out well, though. I mean, that idea of having private interviews. We only had one. <laughs> We tried to, we attempted to market us, but it doesn't seem to work. Yeah? I have Skype interviews. People call me, how much do I need to send you for this? I said, fuck, whatever you think. What do you think? You're not going to get anything from talking to me for an hour. If, I'm, if I do a good job, you'll get nothing. <laughs> what are you gonna, what are you, how much is that? You know, how much do you value that? Well, send that if you think. Yes, exactly. I usually have one of them, and then I make that very clear, and they never call me again. I don't, oh, let's explore this together. Why? Why? You know? Let the message get in. Let the message dictate what happens. You see it. Have faith in it. Yeah? If it's been written about since like 3,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, this thing is an old, old scripture, whatever we didn't get to today, faith mine. And Ashtavakra Gita is very, very old, prior to Jesus Christ and everything. I mean, there was a point why they got, they lasted. Yeah, It's not what's written, it's the mind that reads it that gives the book the life. Yeah? 
they're like in code, and the, the code, usually very succinct, yes, very brief, that code, a mind, when it's right, reads it, and it gets a huge download out of like two sentences, yeah? A download that can reverberate the rest of its life from a book that was written 2,500 years ago. Like one little statement, yeah? It's not the statement, it's not the book, it's the mind that's reading it. You bring life to the mind. You bring life to the satsang. You bring life to that book you read. You bring life to the music you're listening to. Yeah. Mind precedes all. I wish I had some questions. You did a good job. Oh, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm blank. <laughs> <laughs> Stunned into silence. Like that, yeah. Great, great. Yes. But you can bring, so you can, I mean, you talk about using drugs to, for relief, right? And for forgetting. Because you're bringing that, I guess. But you can also use them to heighten your conscious contact, that thing. It depends what you bring, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, the mind's going to give it the meaning it has, yeah. Yeah. Like one man's What's poison is another man's medicine. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to know which is which, though. You may be taking what a lot of people agree to be medicine, but if you're taking too much of it, it can be a poison. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of interest in ayahuasca right now. Yeah, there has been a lot of interest in that. I looked into ayahuasca, but I wasn't moved to take it. Ayahuasca? I don't know if I should record this. (laughs) You're not going to get my uh, take on ayahuasca, no. I don't know if I should record this. (laughs) You're not going to get my uh, take on ayahuasca.